This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Thursday, October 28th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of the Apostles, St. Simon and Jude. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's always good to be with you across America to start your day here on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you know, November is just a few days away. Can you believe it? November is the month that we remember the holy souls in purgatory, our family and friends who have passed from this earthly life. They need your prayers, and we want to pray with them and for them, and we want to pray with you. Join us here at Relevant Radio, November 2nd through the 10th as we pray a special novena for your departed loved ones. We're going to be praying during daily mass at noon central, the chapel of divine mercy with Drew Mariani in the afternoon at three central and the family rosary across America with father Rocky at 7 PM central. Those are a lot, a lot of prayers that we'll be doing every single day. All you have to do is go to relevantradiocom slash souls to share all the names of all your departed loved ones who really do need your prayers. I want to bring in my colleague, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, what's the big story going on this morning? Well, John, if you've ever been to a school board meeting, they can be boring or they can be almost too exciting. And some school board members in the past years, things have gotten more contentious around the country and a variety of levels have uh, looked to the federal government for some help. And a memo that came out uh, very concerning for parents who might want to speak up. Attorney General Merrick Garland was speaking before a Senate Judiciary Committee uh, this week, and he refused to rescind a memo calling on the FBI and the Department of Justice to investigate parents who attend school board meetings and speak up. Uh, Senator Grassley of oh, uh, Iowa rather, called on him and given him an opportunity to rescind that memo, but he uh, he did not do that. And so... Parents who may speak out, not necessarily making threats or anything dramatic like that, but just uh, speaking out against maybe what a school board is planning anywhere around the country may be subject to investigation, which, of course, can have a very chilling effect on parental feedback. This is very concerning uh, for parents who are uh, uh, tuned into to this situation. Um, do you think that this is really uh, a, an, a turn, an, an attack on free speech? Well, it, it certainly kind of... Looks like that. And uh, my wife was sharing a, a story in the, the local level of news she was covering just the other day of uh, someone in Minnesota who tried to speak up at a school board meeting. And they the rules were anyone who wanted to speak at the school board meeting had to give their name and address. And this person didn't really want to do that. I think begrudgingly did because they really wanted to have what they wanted to say 
be heard, but that did not seem very fair. It's a, It's been a very emotional situation for a lot of parents, and we'll definitely uh, continue to keep an eye on that. Uh, something a, a little bit uh, more uplifting, Major League Baseball, the World Series last night in Houston, Game 2, as the Astros even the Fall Classic with a 7-2 win over the Atlanta Braves. The Strohs' Jose Altuve doubled and went yard in the seventh inning to put it away as seen on Fox. Driven to left field! Hooking down the line. She's gone. She's gone. Altuve goes deep for the 22nd time in his postseason history. Second most all time. Tied with Bernie Williams at 22. Astros lead at 7-2 because of the little big man. The little big man. In fact, in Spanish, uh, many people in Venezuela call him El Enano, uh, the midget. He is amazing. 5'6", that guy is as powerful as a 6'5 player. Oh, he packs a punch for a little guy. And to think that he's uh, tied. I know you know more postseason games are played with all the levels of playoffs now than in the old days. But still, uh, to be tied for most postseason home runs, that's, uh, that's quite amazing. Uh, and so the series tied up. One game apiece. They have today off to travel, maybe rest up a little bit, and the, the series resumes in Atlanta tomorrow night. Absolutely. So that, that'll be uh, very, very uh, interesting to see the crowd in Atlanta, their first World Series since 1999. So the old adage, it's not over till it's over, and uh, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. So you have to win four games, uh, not just one. So there's still a, a ways to go. As always, thanks, Glenn. Sure thing, John. We uh, begin every uh, morning and every hour in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for the many blessings. And we always pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Coming up shortly, we're going to be joined by political analyst Alfonso Aguilar to talk about President Biden's unbelievably low approval ratings. And a little bit later at the bottom of the hour, our spiritual director today, Father James Kabicki, will tell us about uh, the Feast of the Apostles, Saints Simon and Jude. And we'll also bring you yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. All that and more coming up this hour here on Morning Air. As we do every day, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from John 6:54. Jesus the Lord says, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall not have life in you. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ said it very clearly in this passage from the Bread of Life Discourse. He said it five times. He spoke of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He was not speaking figuratively of a symbol, a mere symbol. He was speaking about the Holy Eucharist that he was going to give us at the Last Supper on Holy Thursday. Christ said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is what our Catholic faith is all about. This is the source and summit of our faith. Christ is the bread of life, spiritual food for the journey, spiritual food for the game of life. We need to imitate the apostle St. Thomas who said, my Lord and my God, when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ with faith and reverence, when we receive his true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Now I want to switch gears and uh, talk uh, a little bit about uh, politics. President Joe Biden has been in office uh, for just over nine months. Uh, This is a president who received a a reported 81 million votes, but his popularity has been taking a nosedive uh, for a while, and especially most recently. With all the inflation and immigration worries uh, across our nation, some polls put President Biden's approval rating as low as 43 percent, some as low as 36 percent, while uh, 50.7 percent disagree approve, according to a recent uh, 538 polling average, uh, a Trafalgar poll conducted October 19th to the 21st came up with the bleakest numbers for President Biden, with just 39% of respondents approving of his performance. So why are so many Americans uh, upset uh, with our president? Now joining us for the latest on President Biden's uh, plummeting approval ratings is attorney and political analyst Alfonso Aguilar, the president of the Latino Partnership for Conservative Principles. Alfonso is a frequent guest on Fox News, MSNBC, Telemundo, Univision, and CNN and Espanol, and he's also published opinion columns in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Good morning, Alfonso. Welcome back to Morning Air. Great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. Good to be with you. Alfonso, why do you think that uh, President uh, Biden's uh, popularity has uh, tanked uh, in uh, less than 10 months? Uh, he's supposed to have been the most popular president in history, according to all the, uh, all the votes that he received. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. And, and this is the, the largest drop in popularity in, I think, in history. Uh, now, it is true that right now he's at, uh, uh, at Trump levels. Uh, Trump started his, his administration at, at, at low approval uh, um, levels, but, uh, but he remained more or less at that same level. This president started, as you were referencing, at a, you know, a high uh, approval rating, and all of a sudden he's dropped to 40 percent, and in some polls, under 40 percent approval. So it's really remarkable. And I mean, if we could pinpoint one thing, but it's just so many things. Uh, It's it's the border that's that's out of control. And then people see it. They see the images. It's crime, murder, the murder rate rising in urban centers, inflation, the price of gas going up, the, the price of basic products at the supermarket, at the convenience store going up, uh, the, the terrible, botched, chaotic 
um, uh, exit from from Afghanistan. So it's one thing after the other. Now that the last thing is this the shipping crisis that we're having problems with our with uh, the distribution of basic products. We're going to the supermarket and we can't find things uh, in the supermarket. So it's just so many things that that people are really tired. And 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 finally, I don't think the president's being transparent. Instead of just saying, you know, we've made mistakes or we have this crisis. They're just not willing to talk truthfully, to speak truthfully to the American people. And I think a lot of people are really frustrated. So it's not only the the overall approval rating that has gone down dramatically, but it's in every single category. Uh, The polls show that the approval rating is uh, it's 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 low. It's it's below fifty uh, percent. Uh, whether it's the economy, uh, crime, uh, dealing with crime, uh, foreign policy, immigration, uh, the majority of Americans think he's doing a poor job. So it's it's terrible and it's incredible that it's it's just ten months. Alfonso, I'm just curious, you know, we, we watch uh, on television uh, these uh, press conferences uh, from, from the White House, and uh, there's a lot of spin going on. Uh, press Secretary uh, Jen uh, Psaki uh, said that Mr. Biden's approval ratings are low because people are tired of fighting uh, over the, the pandemic. Uh, and uh, you remember that the president uh, had vowed to shut down uh, to end the pandemic, and obviously that hasn't happened. How do you think uh, the mainstream media is spinning it uh, because I don't think, like you said, they're not really uh, telling the full story. Well, Jen Psaki is is always uh, is always going to try to to, uh, to spin things to, to make the president look good, and uh, it's not only the pandemic. And yes, people are tired that the numbers uh, continue uh, 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 to remain high, even though they are going down. We're still having around 70,000 cases per day. So people are frustrated. They're frustrated still with, with some of the, the restrictions uh, that we have. Uh, but that's, that's just one thing. I mean, it's a combination of things, as I've said. Now, it's interesting that I think that the media, even mainstream media, has begun to say that, that the president has made many mistakes. In fact, there's some even now questioning um, or, or raising the question about the president's health. Uh, that he doesn't seem to be uh, um, very uh, uh, focused when when he's speaking, that uh, he seems to be a little bit, uh, uh, his health seems to be a little bit deteriorated. So people are starting to talk about these things, and and, and I think it's, it's it's just a recognition overall that that it it you know he the country's facing many uh, crises, and that um, you know he seems not to grasp the the seriousness of the different problems that the country is facing. Every time, you know, he's avoiding questions from the press. He gives uh, remarks from from a podium. Then he turns around and leaves. Uh, and then Jen Psaki seems not to be very forthcoming or transparent, uh, spinning everything as if, if, if they were still in, 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 a, in a campaign mode. So, um, uh, yeah, I think you, you're seeing now the media uh, starting to... To, to criticize the president and say that, uh, you know, what's going on with the president. And uh, I, I think that the honeymoon period may, may be over. Um. 
When uh, when CNN and MSNBC uh, start questioning uh, the president's uh, uh, competence, uh, you know that something is going on. And as you pointed out, it's not just one thing. It's a myriad of things. Uh, I, I want to just talk briefly about Afghanistan. Do you think that Afghan the situation, the withdrawal, uh, the debacle that, that occurred, do uh, you think that this has been the, the beginning of the end of President Biden's uh, ratings? Um, I mean, that, that was one factor. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the only factor that certainly contributed to uh, to a large drop in popularity. But his numbers were starting to come down even before that. People were not happy with with him, uh, with, you know, prices were already going up, the crime rate in urban centers and certainly the chaotic situation on the border. But I, I think that, that uh, the... the chaotic exit from Afghanistan was just really the, the last drop in, in, in the bucket where where people were just really fed up and that's where numbers really started going down because the images were, were just awful. Um, you know, we still have uh, hundreds of Americans uh, in Afghanistan. We have the majority of Afghan partners who collaborated with our forces in Afghanistan are still in the country. So, uh, you know, it, it's just amazing. And uh, again, the administration uh, seems not to want to talk about these things. Uh, um, you know, uh, I don't know when was the last time they, they had a briefing about Afghanistan and what they're doing to bring people um, home. Uh, the same thing with, with the border. Uh, the president has never been to the border ever in his career uh, in, in, uh, as a politician. Uh, shouldn't he go to the border to assess what's going on, to see firsthand what's going on? Kamala Harris went many months ago. She's responsible. She was appointed by the president or named by the president to be the border czar. Uh, with what's going on, shouldn't she go to the border? No, they're they're avoiding these things, and 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 people realize this. So you know we we are seeing clear problems, and the administration just uh, is is seems not to want to talk about them. Uh, Alfonso, would you say that the the economy at the end of the day is still uh, probably the number one reason why we're seeing such low ratings uh, w with our presidents, specifically, you know, the gas prices, the food prices, supply chain issues? Uh, this is affecting everybody, and it's just, and it's especially uh, from a Catholic perspective, it's it's affecting uh, people uh, who uh, really can't afford it, people that can really get hurt, uh, the, the middle class and the poor. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, it, the economy, you know, pocketbook issues are always the number one issue for average Americans, uh, for working Americans. So when you see gas prices going up, uh, when you see just uh, prices of, of basic things that, that we buy at the supermarket, the convenience store, those prices going up, uh, when you see the supply chain issues and you're looking for a specific product and you can't find it, uh, people get frustrated that people are facing this. And, and the incredible thing is that there are Democrats that are saying that this is a problem for, for the wealthy. Uh, when, when it's not, the wealthy are going to be okay. Uh, when prices go up uh, uh, and, and you have problems in the supply chain, those who are affected are average Americans, working Americans, average people. And uh, and this is something they don't understand. They're, they're in some sort of bubble where they can really connect with average Americans and with the American people. So, uh, yes, this is a problem for 
for, for working families. Uh, it is a serious problem. And it's ironic because even as the economy grows, as we come out of this pandemic, you know, all the great gains that we're going to uh, achieve in terms of economic growth are, are going to be neutralized by, by this increase in, in, in prices. And it's devastating for American families, a president, uh, uh, you know, with, with the supply chain issues. They're already saying that many people won't be able to, to uh, uh, find presents or the presents they want to buy for, for Christmas, that, that this uh, upcoming uh, Thanksgiving, uh, it's going to be the most expensive in, in history because of supply chain issues that are going to uh, increase the prices of turkey. Uh, so it, it's just really incredible. And this affects regular Americans. Uh, Alfonso, the final couple minutes that we have, you know, uh, the polls don't specifically address uh, a few concerns uh, that are important uh, to Catholics and other Christians like religious liberty and the issue of abortion. But uh, do you think that uh, this is definitely in play in terms of uh, Mr. Biden's uh, numbers and the perception uh, from Catholics and other Christians in this country? After all, uh, there's a lot of Catholics and Christians in this country. Well, I think certainly with, with Catholics and, and many evangelicals, it does. And, and uh, we can't forget that they are an important political force uh, and an important constituency. And uh, look, an abortion, this president has uh, aggressively since day one pushed abortion. On his first days as president, he did away with Mexico City policy, which uh, uh, was uh, implemented once again by President Trump and, and even expanded it so that uh, the U.S. stopped funding organizations that promote uh, abortion abroad. Well, President Biden did away with that policy. He got us out of uh, the so-called Geneva Consensus Declaration, which is a, a simple declaration that says that there's no global right to abortion. He got us out of that declaration. Uh, he's uh, done away uh, with the uh, the rules that the Trump administration put for on, on Title Title Ten funding that prevented uh, abortion uh, providers to receive money from the federal government. He's done away with those so that abortion providers can can receive federal money. And remember that in the budget that he presented, and still a possibility to see what happens this week and next. Uh, he supported doing away with uh, without uh, with the Hyde Amendment, meaning uh, allows the Hyde Amendment says that no federal funding can be used to for for abortion. Well, he supported taking the Hyde Amendment out so federal funding could, for the first time, be used to pay for abortions. This is just terrible, and I think Catholics are very concerned about the the uh, radical positions of this administration. So, uh, and I would say it's not even. Uh, uh, Catholics or, or Republicans or even independents and Democrats that are concerned about that. Why should we use federal money, taxpayer money, to fund abortions? Absolutely. Well, uh, on top of all of that, uh, President Biden has said that this might be the most expensive Thanksgiving in the history of the holiday. So uh, it doesn't look good uh, on the horizon in terms of, of the ratings uh, for our president. Alfonso, as always, uh, thank you so much uh, for your perspective and bringing uh, not only a political perspective, but also a, a Catholic point of view to our discussions. Thanks so much. 
Always a pleasure. Alfonso Aguilar, the president of the Latino Partnership for Conservative Principles. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues on this feast of St. Simon and Jude. Our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will tell us all about these two holy apostles. Do stay with us. There's a lot more conversation to come as Morning Air continues after this. Thirty-one minutes after the hour, I absolutely love that beautiful hymn for all the saints. My goodness, I wasn't expecting that. Thank you, Sarah. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us on Thursdays. We always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming up a little bit later this half hour, we'll have yet another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. Now, as you know, and we've been talking about it here Today, the Catholic Church is celebrating the Feast of the Apostles, St. Simon and Jude. St. Simon is called the Zealot, and St. Jude, who's also known as Thaddeus, is the author of the short Epistle of Jude. Their name appear in the Roman canon, and today, if you can make it to Mass, you're going to sing the Gloria in honor of these blessed apostles, and who knows, they may even sing for all the saints. And now joining us uh, for more on the Feast of St. Simon and Jude is our spiritual director today, Father James Kabicki. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota, and a relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections that you hear every single day here on Relevant Radio, as well as a longtime contributor to this show. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's always good to be with you. Happy Feast Day of the Blessed Apostles, St. Simon and Jude. Good morning, John. Good to be with you, too. And uh, on this feast of these two apostles, two of the twelve apostles, you know, my mother had a great devotion to St. Jude. I I don't know where that came from, um, but she had a deep devotion to St. Jude, as I think many of our listeners do as well. And she named her firstborn child, my sister Judy, she named Judy after St. Jude. And so throughout her life, my my mother had that great uh, devotion to St. Jude. And, uh, you know, he's known as the saint of the impossible or of hopeless causes, and uh, I'm not sure exactly why he was uh, given that particular job of being a patron saint of those who are feeling hopeless or feeling they're in, in impossible situations. But certainly he is, for many people, the go-to saint when they're feeling especially uh, challenged and troubled. Well, I love that uh, today in Mass, uh, we, uh, we hear all about our Lord uh, calling the apostles, uh, and of course, uh, the two saints that we're honoring today are part of, uh, of that scripture, and, and it reminds us of uh, the apostolic nature of our Catholic faith, one holy Catholic and apostolic faith, and, and today we're honoring uh, uh, two of, of those great apostles. That's right, John. And, you know, the fact that uh, Jesus called 12 apostles, it fits in with uh, Israel, which had 
the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this is kind of the new Israel. The church is the new Israel. But I, I love the gospel because it says that Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before he came down from a hillside and then chose the 12 apostles from among his many disciples. And I, I have to believe that it, it was a result of prayer and discernment because, you know, if you were to use human standards uh, and apply them to choosing those 12 apostles, this was not a very promising group of men. You know, they, they were not uh, necessarily uh, that intelligent. They were not that educated. Uh, they were common people. Plus, you know, they were, as I said in my daily reflection today, some of them were actually enemies of each other, where Simon, the one we're celebrating today, also known as the Canaanian, was known as a zealot. And that could be that he was very devoted to uh, the law of Israel. But there was also a, a group at the time of Jesus called the Zealot Party. And these were terrorists who uh, worked against the Roman occupation. And then you have Matthew collecting taxes for the Romans. And I just try to imagine how could Jesus possibly choose these two people to be part of his chosen band of 12 and then expect them to work together to spread the gospel. But clearly, it's a divine choice, and it's with Jesus' um, presence and activity in their lives that they were able to come together and, and work to spread the news of the kingdom. It reminds me of, of the old saying that uh, the, the Lord uh, writes uh, uh, straight lines uh, with crooked sticks. <laughs> he can take mm -hmm. any imperfect uh, human being, imperfect instrument, uh, including uh, this band of apostles that were far from perfect, and uh, change the world forever. Right. And it should give us uh, consolation as well that, you know, God chooses us. We might think, well, I'm weak. I don't have many talents or gifts. I don't know much. Uh, theology, uh, whatever it may be, but God chooses each of us in our own way and sends us into our own uh, place in the world, in our family and out in the workplace, uh, to be apostles, to basically a witness through our lives. And that doesn't mean, you know, we, we have to uh, proselytize in the sense of, of um, um, giving people tracts or talking to them. The, the, the biggest lesson that we can show others is is the lesson of our own lives. St. Paul the Sixth, Pope St. Paul the Sixth said that, you know, in our world today, people don't listen so much to teachers, but they listen to witnesses. They listen to people who live of their faith. And so that's what we're called to do, is to live our faith in our daily lives, and in that way, uh, hopefully plant seeds and attract people to the person of Jesus. Plant seeds, uh, absolutely. It reminds me of uh, St. John Paul II, who we celebrated last uh, uh, Friday on his feast day, uh, who said just before he died, it is not enough to know Christ, you must introduce him to others. And so we can plant seeds little by little and introduce them to others. That's right. Now, John, I wanted to ask you if, if you've ever been to Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Chicago, where uh, in 1920. Well, in, in the early 1920s, it was apparently the first Mexican-American church in Chicago. But by 1929, a shrine, the National Shrine of St. Jude, was created there. I've never been there, but apparently uh, from their website, what I looked at, it's quite the place where people uh, come and people will pray in Novena to St. Jude. 
asking for his help. Have, have you ever been there? I have never made it uh, to the National Shrine of, of, of St. Jude. It's on the other way, on the other side of town. Uh, but I have been to the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is only seven minutes yeah. from my home, um, which is a whole other story uh, that uh, we'll definitely be talking about uh, as we get closer to the, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, but no, I've never made it over to this National Shrine. What, what do you know about this place? Well, it was, uh, as I said, it was the first uh, Mexican-American church in Chicago, and it started in the early 1920s by uh, the Claritian Order. That's an order that was founded by uh, St. Anthony Mary Claret, and so they're called the Claritians. And uh, they continue to serve that church and that shrine to this day. And uh, I'd be interested if any of our listeners in the Chicago area have been there, I'd I'd like to know more about that shrine. You know, how big is it? Is it part of the church? Is it next to the church? Have you ever gone there to pray? Um, have you ever prayed to St. Jude and received uh, uh, a profound answer to your prayers? Uh, because, you know, he is, as I said, the go-to saint for impossible causes, and um, maybe some of our listeners have gone to him with uh, things that seem very hopeless, and uh, he was a great intercessor. So we always like to hear those stories. Of, of how the saints have helped us on our journey through life. Absolutely. If you've had the opportunity to visit the the National Shrine of St. Jude in the Chicago area, if you've actually been there, give us a call. We want to hear from you. If you have a special uh, devotion to uh, St. Jude, if he's ever interceded for you in in some way when you face some really impossible uh, situation, call us. Our number, 888-914-9149, Lines are open, but they don't stay open, and oftentimes folks call at the very end of the show, and then we can't get them all on. So if you can uh, jump in early, you can be part of the conversation uh, here with with Father Kabicki. Uh, Father, let me just share with you something that just occurred to me that I hadn't really thought of. Um, There is a St. Jude's Chapel uh, that has had perpetual adoration for years at the Women's Center here in Chicago. The Women's Center is a crisis pregnancy center uh, that has saved over 40,000 babies from abortion Mm. since uh, the 1980s. It's an amazing place. Well, uh, back in the summer of 2011, I was on my knees in this little chapel of uh, of St. It's called the St. Jude Chapel, and they have a beautiful statue of St. Jude there in the corner. And I, I was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and that's where the inspiration came for me to uh, make and produce and direct the 40 film. Go and make a movie on the issue of abortion uh, that would coincide with the 40th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And so that's uh, that was the command that I received that day from the Lord. And uh, I'll never forget, it was right there in the St. Jude's Chapel. And so you talk about an impossible mission. At the time, it seemed uh, like I was staring at Mount Everest. How in the world am I going to make a movie on abortion? I wasn't even that familiar with the issue at the time. I, I just wasn't that familiar with all the characters and all the players and all the different Mm -hmm. issues that are involved uh, in uh, the defense of life. But believe me, after a couple of years, I I got up to speed and learned quite a bit, but it all began in that little chapel. And so I said yes to the the Lord that day, and it was at the St. Jude Chapel, the St. Jude, who uh, is uh, known for uh, being uh, the saint of the impossible, uh, the impossible causes. So uh, I I find that ironic, uh, Father. Right. That's a great story, John. And, you know, again, it it shows how, you know, we may feel unprepared or, um, you know, not ready or that there's certainly 
people who are better qualified than we are. But, you know, what's so consoling, again, about those 12 apostles is they probably felt the same way, but they were drawn to Jesus. And um, with his guidance and with his friendship, uh, they became the great missionaries that they they eventually became. St. Jude and St. Simon, tradition has it, were uh, martyred in Persia. So they were given courage to witness to the faith in that extreme way. Father, do you have any idea why these two are these two apostles, uh, St. Simon and St. Jude, are, are celebrated together? Well, there's different traditions about that, and one of them is that uh, they both went to Persia, and that's where they were, were killed. And so from the early centuries, they were celebrated together, and it may go back to that uh, tradition that they were martyred together as they were in what is now modern-day Iran, and we're, we're preaching the gospel in Persia. So uh, that, to me, makes the most sense. Excellent. Well, uh, we have uh, listeners uh, who have been uh, to the Shrine of St. Jude, the National Shrine of St. Jude in the Chicago area that you were talking about. In fact, uh, uh, Dan uh, has has been there. And Dan, hold on. You'll be first in line. We're going to take a short break as we continue to talk uh, about uh, the Feast of uh, the Apostles, St. Simon and St. Jude. If you have a special devotion to St. Jude, if he's ever in interceded for you in some very difficult situation, and uh, he's come through for you. Uh, If you just love uh, St. Jude, give us a call. Again, our number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or if you just have a question or a comment for Father Kabicki. We're going to take a short break as we continue our conversation with Father James Kabicki. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Forty-six minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. As we continue uh, our conversation with Father James Kabicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota, we're talking about the Feast of the Apostles, St. Simon and Jude. Father Kabicki, welcome back. Thank you, John. Good to be with you again on this day. And I'd love to hear what Dan has to say about visiting the shrine right there in Chicago. Well, as promised, we're going to go right uh, to uh, Dan, who's actually joining us uh, from about 90 miles north of Chicago, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dan, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Kabicki. Good morning, Father Kabicki. How are things out in Rosebud? Well, they're pretty good. I'm giving retreat to priests of the Sioux Falls Diocese, and it's ending today. So I'm, I'm off the reservation right now, but I'll be heading back oh, there shortly. I used to have a bunch of patients who were um, from Rosebud Reservation when I worked in South uh, Rapid City. Um, oh, beautiful. But regarding, regarding the Shrine of St. Jude, it's a very beautiful church, very old, with uh, a very dedicated um, group of parishioners. Uh, and the shrine itself is inside the main church. And as you come up there, it's just, it's tall, and it's got a uh, a statue of of St. Jude, and it's got a first-order relic, a a piece of his bone, I believe it's a shin bone, uh, Mm. displayed. 
and it's got a small, it, it's got an alcove off to the right where you can uh, light dedication uh, candles, which unfortunately had to become electric instead of uh, traditional mm-hmm. wax candles. Um, mm-hmm. But still it's there, and um, I had a, the reason I went there first is because I had a um, very serious situation that I was, I was in desperate need of any kind of help, and I couldn't figure out any place to get it. And I happened to be driving in south side of Chicago that day, uh, it's down in the hundreds, um, near almost near to Indiana. And uh, the hundreds is how many streets south of downtown Chicago. Um, anyway, uh, I went there and I prayed and I walked into this church and it was just like a calling. And I was relieved of that very serious problem in probably the best possible way. Um, and since then, I've gone back to him many, many times when I have uh, times of trouble and just say that St. Jude prayer, and it, it's very relieving, and it stills, it stills you, or stills me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dan, thank you. And one other you. thing I... I wanted to say, sure, uh, if I could say one other thing, uh, if you've seen the production called The Chosen, it shows mm-hmm. the um, calling of the apostles, including St. Simon and St. Jude, Um. And I thought that St. Jude was uh, maybe Jesus' cousin and listed as one of his brothers. Anyway, that's all yeah. I wanted to say. Thank you very much for your program, John. Thanks so much, Dan. Really appreciate the call. Uh, Father Kubicki, a uh, quick thought. Yeah. Dan, uh, we'd love to hear about the shrine itself and having never been there. Love to hear about how uh, powerful an intercessor St. Jude is. And you're right. Uh, according to tradition, Jude and James the Younger, or James the Lesser, these two apostles, were cousins. Uh, they, uh, they were brothers, but they were also cousins of Jesus. There are, often appear in the Gospel, it says the brothers of Jesus, but we know Jesus did not have any brothers, uh, blood brothers from Mary, but uh, they were cousins of Jesus. And so James the Lesser, James the Younger, and Jude were indeed brothers, and they were related to Jesus himself. And uh, Father Kabiki, that's something that we uh, see from uh, St. Jude himself in his epistle, the very first line right off the top, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brethren of James to the called who have been loved in God the Father and preserved for Christ Jesus. So he uh, reveals who he is right at the top of his, of his letter there. Uh, very, yep. uh, very interesting. So there, there is historical evidence that we have even from Scripture uh, about uh, St. Jude. Um, we, uh, we have a call from Eleanor, who's joining us uh, from uh, Miami, Florida. Eleanor, g- good morning. You're on with Father Kabicki. Good morning. Good morning, Father. Father, I um, had a, a, a blessing. I uh, was raised Catholic, a very faith-filled family. Uh, I was married young to the first and only boyfriend my family, uh, well, I, I like to say, let me have. Um, mm-hmm. I was um, in a bad marriage. There was infidelity. Um, not a bad person, well, I like to think we all uh, have mm-hmm. were taught forgiveness, but um, married very young, and I knew that I needed to get out of that marriage, but being young, uh, anyway, so it was a long story, but I was in the conundrum and just in that turmoil. I was caught in a bad Miami storm, and I don't want to make the story too long because it does have a wonderful, blessed, happy ending. Um 
I was crossing a, the street in in a very bad storm, and there was street flooding. And as I was crossing the street during my lunch hour at work, there was a a uh, a card uh, just floating in in this big puddle. And something made me stop and pick it up. It was upside down. I could tell it was a religious card. I picked it up and just put it in my pocket and kept walking onto my office. As I got to my desk, soaking wet, I took it out of my pocket, and it was a, a card of St. Jude. So mm-hmm. I was just moved. I started praying and praying and praying. And I sort of offered up the circumstances that was happening in my life. And, it, you know, I just prayed for the right decision and guidance to St. Jude. I didn't know much about St. Jude at the time. I had heard about St. Jude and I sort of did a little research. As, as the months and the weeks and the time went by, I had the right answer. I went and spoke with my priest, followed all the right protocols of the church, um, were divor- was divorced, had my family support and friends support, went through all of the right situation, and years later found my wonderful husband. I We were able to go, you know, I had my marriage annulled, uh, was able to marry my wonderful husband. Um, I've been married now almost 30 years, have beautiful grown children, every blessing, and I've always been just very devout. I, during the time, that time of the prayers of St. Jude, and just just very devout to St. Jude and very thankful, um, knew that I needed to make a pilgrimage to the shrine, which I did with my husband when we were first married. He had gone to school in Chicago, and, and he had gone by the shrine, never gone into the shrine, but he took me, and it was just a beautiful experience for both of us. Eleanor, thank you so much uh, for sharing. Uh, Father Kabiki, uh, what, what a story. Right, indeed. You know, and, and again, you know, we, we think of coincidence, but this would be one of those God incidences where God put St. Jude into the life of Eleanor with that card, and uh, to, to be inspired to pray that prayer and uh, he truly took what, what felt like an impossible situation for Eleanor and, and turned it into a wonderful uh, ending. And uh, to, to show that devotion to him by, by going to that shrine, um, you know, hundreds of miles away from Florida and such, that, that's, that's really great. Uh, I'm sure he continues to look and smile upon, uh, upon Eleanor to this day. Uh, Father, we have time for one last quick call. Very quickly, uh, Jean joining us uh, from Southern Maine. Uh, Jean, welcome. Uh, Briefly, uh, what is your question? Thank you, John. Enjoy your show. Um, My, um, well, it was more uh, the inspiration that St. Jude um, gave to my mother. Um, This was over 50 years ago, when my youngest brother was born very premature and should not have made it, um, according to the doctor, and 15 minutes without any oxygen after birth. And she was in such a hard place um, that she said we were going to a novena for St. Jude. And uh, so I followed her, uh, went to the French novena, 
um, for nine weeks, and my brother came home after. Thank you so much, uh, Father. Uh, Fifteen seconds, uh, a quick thought. Praise God, and thank you, St. Jude, for being such a great intercessor in Jean's life and with her brother. That is a beautiful story. Thank you for calling in, Jean. Sorry we didn't have more time. My apologies, and uh, everybody else who is holding on. Uh, Father Kabiki, as always, uh, thanks so much uh, for your insights uh, on this Feast of St. Simon and St. Jude. You're very welcome. God bless you all. God bless you, too. Father James Kabicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. Now it's time for another edition of Glen Story Corner. Our story today is called Piece of Pizza. It's by Joseph Mazzella. I can't remember if I was 9 or 10. I do remember it was the last day of 4-H camp. I was looking in the mirror and checking my face for bruises. The day before, for some silly reason, I'd gotten into a fist fight with another boy. It didn't take long for the bigger boys to pull us apart and call it a draw, but in truth, I had lost. My head was still sore from a couple of the blows the other boy had landed. We hadn't talked since the fight either, but only stared coldly at each other from across the room of our cabin. Still, I was in a good mood this morning because I knew my mom was bringing some of her homemade pizzas as a treat for my brother, me, and our friends. Soon I saw her walking up the sidewalk toward the steps of our cabin. She'd been bringing these pizzas to us every 4-H camp for years now. I saw her smile as my brother and his friends all grabbed the big cut pieces. She made sure, though, to save the last two for me. I thanked her with a smile of my own and started to eat. When I saw my fistfight opponent standing off to the side by himself. In that moment, something moved in my heart. I walked over to him and gave him one of the pieces of pizza. We talked and laughed and ate, and for some reason unknown to me at the time, the pizza tasted better than ever before. I can see now that what moved my heart was the finger of God. Our Heavenly Father was watching down on me that day and working a little miracle inside of me. He was moving me to forgive, to give and to love. I'm so happy that I followed his guidance. Henry Drummond wrote, You'll find as you look back upon your life that the moments when you have really lived are the moments when you have done things in the spirit of love. May you really live then. May you forgive, give, and love. And may your pizza always taste delicious. 2 Corinthians 5.18 All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. And I want to remind you to honor our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of the Rosary, today and pray the Rosary for life the rest of this month with Father Rocky for the Family Rosary Across America, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every single night of the week here on Relevant Radio, the Relevant Radio app, and even on your smart TV. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverins, for producer Sarah Tafoya, Mariano Gomez, and Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. St. Jude, the apostle of impossible causes, pray for us.